Hey, this is Edgar Fernandez, a.k.a. Ochoa Howe, and you are listening to Step Off. Of Step Off Radio. The world is, needless to say, a very different place than it was um, last time we had an episode. Um, you know, with this whole coronavirus pandemic, it's an understatement to say that all of our lives have been turned upside down completely. Um, many of us, you know, if we haven't lost jobs, Perhaps you've lost loved ones, or perhaps a whole combination of all of those. And um, and depending on what state you live in, you know, your state governments may be handling this to different degrees. You know, we're based out here in San Diego, in California, and the state government has done a pretty good job at handling this. Um, I know for some of you who are listening to other parts of the country, other parts that are maybe harder hit, um, that hasn't necessarily been the case, sadly. And the situation isn't affecting everybody the same way. Um, it's disproportionately affecting communities of color all throughout the country. Um, Black and Latino communities are being disproportionately hit hard by this. And it just seems that once that became um, common knowledge that we just made this switch from we need to shut the country down and protect everybody to now it's open up the floodgates and we just need to get back to business. I think that I speak for just about everyone when I say that the the federal government response has been an absolute disaster. You know, Donald Trump is a fucking jackass and um, the whole response on the federal part has just been completely bungled and um, it's it, it it's just it's just a mess, guys. And with that said, guys, I think that if this situation has taught us anything, it's that um, we have to be self-reliant and look out for one another. Um, The federal government um, definitely isn't doing its part to do that. Um, Like, as I said, different state governments are handling this situation to varying degrees. But at the end of the day, guys, we're going to have to be the ones to look out for one another and be there for the most vulnerable and marginalized within our own communities. You know, so we have to do our part, guys. Um, if you can, if you have the luxury of being able to stay inside and shelter in place and work from home, you know, let's keep on doing that. Um, you know, if you can't, you know, let's, we have to do our best to to limit our contact with one another, you know, even if that means um, staying away from our friends and loved ones and not doing the activities that we miss so dearly and love doing. And also in other ways too, guys, you know, like not sharing and propagating um, misinformation and propaganda and stuff out there and these ludicrous purposely misleading 
conspiracy theory, guys. Honestly, this is the one that I see the most. I see it all across on social media, on everything, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. You see this all over the place. You all know somebody, probably personally, that shares stuff like this. And um, just use your head, guys. Um, Read between the lines. Fact check your stuff. Seek out news from multiple sources. And don't share... um, untruthful, misleading things. Because right now, right now, there's so much of that coming every single day from the White House and the federal government and um, other state officials too. And honestly, like we, we just can't afford to have stuff like that propagating just from within the populace itself, guys. So, you know, try your best to make sure that you cut down on that and call it out if you see it, guys, because like I said, it's in a certain extent, it's the wild, wild west. We kind of have to hold each other accountable for now because it's just not going to happen from any other um, platform. Like I said, take care of one another, guys. Um, be safe. Stay healthy. Look out for one another. And like I said, we're going to be back with more episodes, hopefully with more frequency as we kind of get down this whole process of interviewing people remotely. So with that said, stay safe, stay healthy, look out for one another. And with that said, let's get back to the program. So my guest on the show today is Edgar Fernandez, also known as Ocho Ohau. He's a visual artist from Phoenix, Arizona, and today we're going to talk a little bit about the backstory of his artwork, his life traveling from Los Angeles to Michigan and then eventually settling in Phoenix, Arizona, where he became involved in the graffiti scene down there, and eventually to his uh, his journey becoming a professional artist there in the city. So we get to talk a little bit about him, his schooling, his influences, and just overall his experience of being a Chicano visual artist in the 20th century and what exactly that means, you know, the role that artists play in society and particularly the role that Chicano artists play within their own community. So um, with that, we're going to jump right into this conversation and we hope you all enjoy. Hi, Edgar. Thanks again for coming on to the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity. For all of our readers out there, you know, who may not be familiar with your work, you know, introduce yourself, you know, what's your name, uh, what's your age, and what is it that you do? Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you for letting me be a part of this um, interview. And my name is Edgar Fernandez, and now a lot of people know me as Ochoa How, and we could go a little bit deeper into that later. Um, I'm 29 years old, and I'm a visual artist, and I share my my art and my Chicano story by creating um, messages that empower me and my community. You know, like, so tell us a little bit about yourself, man, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing, you know, where you grew up. So I was 
was born in uh, in Torrance in 1990, and I grew up in a neighborhood in the LA County until I was five years old. I don't remember too much besides um, like video games and just running around the neighborhood with friends. But it was uh, it was around that time, you know, in the early '90s and in, in LA, some neighborhoods were were not too, you know, friendly and pretty pretty bad. So my parents didn't want me and my brother to grow up in that environment. So they decided to make a drastic change, and we moved all the way to Michigan um, in 1995, and were there for almost four years. And it was at that point when we moved there, I had an older cousin that was um, really good at drawing. He drew his own uh, cartoon characters. And it was at that point when I seen him do that from his own imagination when I was like, whoa, like, he could do that? I want to do that. I want to learn how to do that. So I started, I started um, picking up some, some of his techniques and skills just from watching him. And I, grew, I grabbed my own pencil, my own sketchbook. And it wasn't really a sketchbook either. It was just like one of those note, notebooks with like lines on it. A little spiral That's notebook. All <laughs> That's all I had at the time. And, um, yeah, so it, it was, uh, it was 1999 when, when my parents were like, okay, we, we know we have a pretty stable job here in Michigan, but the cold is not really for us. So <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna head somewhere a little bit hotter. So we moved actually back to California, but this time we ended up in, uh, central California between Bakersfield and Fresno. It's a little town called Orosi. And my mom's uh, older sister lived there. And we were there for six months, and it was really hard for both of my parents to have, like, a stable job and income in that little town. So it um, it was New Year's Day in the year 2000 when my parents decided to move somewhere new, somewhere fresh, no family. We just wanted something new for for us and for as a family. So we, we moved to Phoenix, Arizona. And I remember the first day at, at school, I was, uh, I was like halfway through third grade where um, the first group of friends that I was introduced to where uh, it was like four Chicano kids and they all drew really amazing art. And I was just like, whoa, like, that's when I got reintroduced again to start drawing. And I think it was from that, that point on, I really never stopped because once I entered middle school, I started getting into the graffiti stage and kind of picked that up from my older brother and his friends and watching them do that mm-hmm. and I really loved that I loved the way they were expressing themselves even though like society was telling them you can't do that and it was a form of expression of re- releasing certain um, um, anger or emotions that society um, 
kind of projects on people of color and brown people and always being target targeted and and then from there when I graduated high school really didn't know what I was going to do like I knew I liked art so I was encouraged by some friends to take some drawing classes at Phoenix College and I took my first drawing class and I was pretty much hooked from there to be surrounded by other like-minded people that they also love to create art and also being guided by an instructor to push myself in new ways. He said that also your brother was in the art too. You know, did, were you guys brought up in an artistic household, would you say? Um, no, actually we, we weren't. Um, like my grandpa and my dad would draw just like to entertain us when we were younger, but it was like nothing serious. Were I you, think it was more something that was like intuitive. I see. Like were your parents, were they supportive though of like your, um, the direction you wanted to go, like becoming an artist, like professionally? Yeah. Um, I think my parents have always been those, um, parents that always supported like in what I love to do. They never really pushed anything upon me that I didn't want to do. So once they knew that I wanted to be an artist, they're like, okay, we're going to support you. And now they see like how far it's taken me through so many different ways and so many successes. So now they definitely, they're definitely proud and very supportive and don't second guess in what I'm doing. So you're taking like all these throughout middle school and high school and then into like community college. You're taking all these art classes. Was there ever like the, the like a specific aha moment when you came to the conclusion that like you knew you wanted to pursue art as like an actual full fledged like career? Yeah, I think it was um, it was during that that first drawing class that I really got hooked. Um, I still kind of didn't know that I wanted to do it as a full-fledged uh, career but I was like you know what I'm gonna keep taking classes so I think it was when I took my first painting class that really did it for me just getting introduced to a whole new medium a whole new world and with an instructor that was uh, Native American he really kind of got me to dig into my own roots and so that's when I started really looking into the, the Chicano culture and expressing my my basically my identity. Yeah, you know, your artwork is rooted in this position that is decidedly pro-indigenous and exuberates like a strong sense of Chicano identity. You know, there's depictions and reinterpretations of Mesoamerican art, culture, and folklore, folklore as well as contemporary Chicano culture. So would you say, was that class like the particular point in your life where you decided you wanted to create art with like a powerful message celebrating Chicano empowerment? You know, would you say that that was kind of like the catalyst? Yeah, I think I, I would say that, that that was a pretty big catalyst. And the other catalyst that I want to add to that was it was, a, it was around that same time where I went to this place. It's like a human uh, rights organization called Tona Tierra. And... They really um, educate the youth and the community about ancestral roots and culture. And I was talking to some of the elders there, and they kind of educated me a little bit and played some videos. And I remember leaving that day 
is feeling so uplifted and empowered that the art that I'm creating really has um, strong roots and it's really um, important for me to continue these roots and to plant more seeds for the future. What's really cool, I like a lot about your art, like you said, like you kind of brought up like the graffiti influence you, your art brings up all of these um, callbacks to like um, Mesoamerican culture, but it brings it with like a modern twist. Like I I could kind of tell like the graffiti influence in a lot of your art, you know, Um, is that kind of, is that kind of like a uh, uh, intentional, like, you know, like bringing like these contemporary styles, you know, like, but like um, showing off the culture as well? Yeah, I definitely want to bring something fresh, something new that hasn't been done before. So I, I use um, the ancient art and my ancestors as kind of like my foundation, my anchor. But and then I use these uh, contemporary ways of expression that I created through my upbringing to really... Um, kind of like mesh them together and then create a new kind of formula Mm -hmm. that gets expressed through, you know, spray cans on a wall, through acrylic paint, through mixed media. And when, when I go to a wall, when I create an art piece, basically I go into an intuitive state of mind and I ask my ancestors for guidance. But at the same time, I'm also looking at contemporary artwork from my like favorite artists and kind of like take a little bit of everything and kind of try to bring it all together to create a new body of work. And kind of and kind of going with that, you said like creating like a new body of work, you know, like being Chicano in this country is it needless to say, it's a very unique experience. You know, you kind of occupy this um, this middle ground or gray area of both like Mexican and American culture, you know, and kind of having the balance, you know, walking those two lines at the same time, you know, growing up, was there ever like a, um, was there ever like, not maybe not like a struggle, but like, you know, like a, um, a difficulty finding or maintaining like an identity as a young Chicano, as like uh, as many young Chicano and Chicanas do, you know, kind of operating between these two worlds. Yes, definitely. Um, I definitely noticed um, specifically like a lot of instructors, like the way they would uh, treat me, the way they would look at me differently versus like, you know, the the white Anglo kids. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was little, I really didn't understand it. And so I started growing up. I was like, oh, it's because of the color of my skin. It's because of my culture. It's because of where I come from. And... So I had instructors with like in high school and middle school and they'll tell me like, you know, you're you're not gonna be anything, you're not gonna do anything. Really? And and kinda like use that when people tell me those things, I use them as fuel. And now I'm really using it as like a positive fuel and using that energy and projecting it into my artwork mm-hmm. and into something positive. And um as an artist, you know, what do you hope that audiences, you know, not just from inside the community, but outside as well, gain and take away from your artwork? What, what I hope that these audiences would, would gain from 
my artwork is that I do it from a place of that it comes from the heart first. Mm-hmm. And I hope others that that see my work can see that and kind of use the energy that I put into that piece for them, for other individuals that view it, to use their their own self-will and their own heart to guide them to use their own creativity and imagination to create something positive for themselves and in the community, whether it's um, creating art or whether it's writing, whether it's poetry, photography. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe in the which is like we are all artists you know we're all artists in our own way there's always individuals like yeah you could do that because you're an artist I tell them but you're an artist too you just gotta look at yourself in uh, different directions not not just creating a drawing or a mural's art everything's art in a way we're creating our our day day by day as artists so um i would like for individuals to really see that and hopefully create a sense of inspiration to awaken their own creativity in the past you know like what what memorable like uh responses have you seen or had to people responding to your art yeah um a lot, I wouldn't say a lot of these stories uh, come from public work. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm doing murals out in the public and the community could just walk by and see what I'm doing, ask questions. Like the recent mural I posted, um, the one I did in Mesa, Arizona, um, Tu Eres Mi Otro Yo. And there's some, it's a very uh, Chicano neighborhood, I want to say. And there's like some Chicanos and their bikes and they're just stopped by and then they're just like, whoa, this is so powerful. Like, thank you for doing this. And he said, like, thank you for doing this positive message because this is like going to change the the neighborhood and the energy. And we respect that and we want to respect this mural and what you do and we'll make sure it's t- like taken care of and wow. nobody tags on it basically. Wow. And how, how does that feel as an artist, you know, to like the visibly, you know, see that reaction and that impact on the community, like in real time. At first I'm like really honored and just like grateful that I'm able to be a channel to, to do that and to empower others in such a way it's like it's like beyond words it's just like breathtaking it's like okay this is this is like it's like an affirmation of this is why i'm doing what i do going back a little bit to um to school so you studied at phoenix college and then eventually you um after getting a scholarship you actually transferred to um to the arizona state uh, school of art um which is funny because I'm actually I'm, I'm actually a sun devil as well, <laughs> but um, you know what was your ex- yeah, um, what was your experience like at ASU? At first, I was like um, really excited, you know, I was like yeah, yeah, I'm like I'm excited, like I had 
great things uh, about the the school of art and everything. And when I got there, I just felt like from the different experiences from Phoenix College to ASU, like I felt like Phoenix College was very um, more unified and very community based. Mm-hmm. When I got to ASU, felt a little separated, and it's everybody a, was kind of it's a big school. World. It's huge. Yeah, so I was like, "Whoa!" And so it took some time to kind of like set my 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 foundation there. But all the instructors were great, and I think that's what I really took out of that experience. Even though I did ended up creating some new relationships and friendships through my classmates. Mm-hmm. But it was like the instructors that that I felt really pushed me and my artwork to a new level that I didn't see myself doing otherwise. And really um, setting high standards and goals upon me and new challenges to um, produce um, work that digs deeper in my roots, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking about um, you know, speaking about your roots, actually, um, both of your parents are are actually um, immigrants, and they're originally from Mexico. Um, you know, in which ways has being the son of immigrant parents um, informed and influenced not just your worldview, but you as a person yourself, and you know, and by that way, your art as well. So being the son of immigrant parents has definitely informed me to be grateful every day. Because of like the struggle that they they did and went through to be here and to give basically a better future for for me and my brother, and that I use that as my influence as a person to use their pain, their struggles, and crossing the border into um, coming to California at the time. And I use their their story, their their pain that they go through every day and that they went through to empower my my artwork and to take that to a, a new level and use that as a driving force to create the artwork and use their their messages are highlighted metaphorically within my work. Like I think I read like another one of your interviews. You said uh, on a trip to Mexico, actually, that also kind of influenced, you know, incorporating more of your culture into your yeah. artwork as well. Yeah, definitely. It was um, 20, 2014, spring 2014. Um, me and my family took a trip. To Mexico City, and that was my first time being there um, as a young adult, mm-hmm. and I was just in a complete awe moment, and just really inspired by the environment and culture. And I went to Teotihuacan um, for the first time, and that was just breathtaking. I felt like when I was there, I could see the daily lifestyle 
that our ancestors were going through during their their peak of time. So I kind of felt, even though they're not, you know, we're still there, and that I could feel their spirit around me. Um, and I, I think it took some time to really soak up that I, I, I got to visit that um, wonderful place that created so many amazing things. It was kind of like, it was basically like a big city where a lot of different cultures will kind of exchange mm-hmm. and do trades. So it was like little by little, it took like some months to really like soak up all that that I experienced there because I also went to um, El Museo de Antropología and I was there for a full day and there is so much to see and so much to like soak up there. And I try to read, I try to photograph as, as much as possible. And I would say that that trip, that experience still is being projected in my work that I create today. Before you begin a piece, actually, you know, like what kind of research do you normally do? Do you use references from like photos or books? You know, is it kind of a combination of those? You know, like what kind of what kind of preparation do I do? Do you um, do you go into before you begin a piece? It kind of varies from time to time, but I usually before I begin a piece, I usually start with some intentions. And I ask my ancestors for guidance. And I also burn some some sage and kind of awaken the spiritual energy and also to bring peace and clarity. And I also remember to be patient because I know if I'm impatient, the peace is not going to go the direction I want it to be in. And also, between all that, I do do some research. I have uh, different folders and files within my computer where I got listed, like, inspirational photos, inspirational artists, inspirational places. And I kind of look at all those things and then kind of see what is resonating the most at the time. And sometimes I select a few things and I mesh them together and then um, I'll project that onto a canvas or on paper and I'll start sketching it. And what's interesting is when I, I put down my sketch or I call it the blueprint skeleton, it always comes in a, it always transforms into different um things that that I didn't think about in the beginning, which is, I think, the the beauty at the same time because I kind of let the art transform and take itself into new places without um, trying to be in control the whole time. Are there any kind of mediums that you like to use for the most part? Like, do you like paint on canvas or do you like doing murals or like you said like on paper you know is there anything in particular that you prefer or do you kind of enjoy a variety I definitely enjoy a variety and for myself personally I have phases 
like I would say a lot of artists do. So I will have a phase where I'm just working strictly on on wood, oil on wood. That's actually what I'm working on right now. I'm working on a 18 mass series, and they're all on small pieces of wood, and they're oil with charcoal, and I'm keeping them all consistent because I really love the fact and technique that I'm creating in it. But, but and then there's other phases where I'm like, I need a... And I kind of do that purposely, too, where it's like I step back from a certain medium or a certain series, and I go into a whole new body, a whole new series, a whole new medium. And I think what happens in between those two worlds is that I'm learning from one medium to another medium, and sometimes that's when I clash them together and create mixed media. With that said... It's kind of an understatement that your art um, exuberates this love and celebration for Mexican and Chicano culture. And um, in recent years, a, a topic that's received a lot of attention, like in the media around arts, is cultural appropriation versus appreciation. And we've seen that particularly with Mexican and Mexican American culture from the mainstreaming of you know cultural figures such as Frida Kahlo and Selena outside of the Southwest, you know, as an artist, you know, where do you think one draws the line to make the distinction between like appreciation and then appropriation that we see from like outside groups or companies or entities, you know? That's a good question. Yeah, I think the, myself, where I think the, where the line gets drawn is when our culture, our art gets exploited and gets um, profit, profit, like gets capitalized and made um, as profit, and at the same and at the same time, our people are, are not accepted and appreciated in in the country. You know, there's like laws like here in Arizona, like SB 1070, where where you get basically pulled over if you're like too brown or they want to just question you because they're the color of your skin and ask you for your papers and it's crazy because it's the it's those same people that are capitalizing on our culture to do these things so i think that's where the, the line gets drawn where it's like you know you're not appreciating us but you want to make profit out of us just because it, you know, it might be popular at the time. Yeah. With that said, what role do you believe artists play in our society? You know, especially when our society, where political discourse is the most partisan, divided it's ever been, you know, artists have like a real opportunity to be speakers of truth, the power, you know. So where do you think an artist's role is um, in the midst of all of that? I think the, as artists, um, we play a big role in um, not not only for for like other artists or our communities, but like murals, for example, they're out in the public. Um, and all the people that, that see it necessarily are not artists or might not even like art or going to museums or going to art galleries or know anything about art. 
but they they'll see this mural with this powerful message and that could be a day where this person gets transformed and sees the world a little bit differently because of this mural so i feel like um i feel like we're like uh, we're like mediums and to transform people and kind of get themselves to look at themselves differently, to look at society differently, mm-hmm. to look at the world differently, but also get them to look within and use their imagination and use their own self-will and power to empower others. You know, with that said, you know, you've been making art for a, for a number of years now, you know, and been displaying it publicly. What do you like the most about the line of work that you do and conversely with also, you know, what do you probably say you dislike the most about the art world? You know, if, if there's anything that is. The most I like about my artwork is like how it brings conversation, how it brings community together, how it brings, um, new, new thoughts. Like, um, I had the last few shows that I had just, um, seen, People smile when they look at my work, seeing their their happiness, seeing their laughter, seeing the community come together, and it and it's not just uh, Chicano culture. It's like it's all walks of life that are coming and seeing my work because the the power and beauty that that lies within it. And I think that's. Um, something that's beautiful and amazing that that art my artwork can do and then um, probably what I dislike about the artwork art world is um, how some some of the artwork that's being created nowadays doesn't have soul doesn't have spirit and it's taking the purpose of what art means and what it is. Like for our ancestors, art is not just uh, an image. It's not something that's just slap paint on it. You know, it's something that has soul in it. It's our, our essence, our, our basically our spirit lives in each piece. And that's why, um, a lot of the ancestral work and a lot of the Chicano work is so powerful because of that reason. Now, you graduated from Arizona State last year in 2019. You know, what plans do you have lined up for your career now that you're um, now that you're finally out of school? You know, do you have any big productions or anything or any big plans that you want to enact in the future? Yes. Um, so as soon as I graduated uh, from ASU, I had um, a bunch of big projects lined up such as mural projects, but also a really interesting uh, collective project that, that that was a big collaboration with some other artists that I work with here in uh, Phoenix. And that project was um, it was a water project. And basically, the purpose of this exhibition was to show the importance of of water, especially here in the desert, and how how the 
the Hohogam people, the original people from Phoenix, how how they valued and used water as something sacred and kind of teaching, teaching us to go back to those ways and roots. And, and I think what's happening now, um, I'm definitely working more, more on uh, murals and I'm working more on new bodies of work, new series, and taking what I learned from school and make, making my own kind of projects from, from those uh, things that I learned. But also, on top of all that, um, from going from kind of like project to project, what I'm working towards now is working on more residencies. And hopefully, out of country, actually, we have uh, with this gallery that I work with here in Phoenix called the Sagrado Galeria. And we're actually working on. Uh, a residency program and that's for this first year hopefully you know I don't know how things are going to look but if all things uh, change and uh, adapt for in healing ways then basically this uh, residency will be about three artists and it will be in Mexico City be taking workshops and connecting to galleries and museums there and taking that experience and creating an exhibition in, back in Phoenix. Nice. So I'm definitely working on those types of projects and I'm looking forward for more residencies to kind of reach to new audiences, new environments, and seeing how that can influence my, my work and me as a person. So with all this said, who would you say are the most influential individuals that have had an impact on your life and your artwork? I want to start off with with probably my mom being the most influential individual that has impacted my life and my artwork. And it's not just because, like, you know, she's my mom, but she's also a big influence because she's been the one that's always kept me positive when things have not gone the way I wanted them at certain times. She's always the one that's, like, motivating me and rooting me on and also gives me a lot of feedback on my artwork as well when I'm working on it. And and those, her ideas are always um, really good. And when I add those ideas, like, not only does it feel good, but also get a... Uh, a positive um, feedback from the audience when I add those suggestions that, that she gives me. And on top of that, I want to add also um, mentors that I had that have really um, educated me with my, my roots and my Chicano culture. So Sarko Guerrero and Martin Moreno are two older Chicano artists that have been doing murals for over 40 years. And they have really um, pushed my art in new ways and also rooted my art in the ways that it needed to be. What advice do you have for other young artists right now and 
creatives who want to get into creating art professionally? Like what kind of advice would you give to them, you know, like things they can do to improve and also things to look out for as well? I want to start off with follow your heart and always listen to your inner voice, that, that gut feeling when you're trying to decide on a direction, a route in which to go. Um, be persistent, be patient, um, ask, don't be afraid to ask questions from elders and for to other professionals. And I think that's something that a lot of younger artists, they don't, they don't ask or are afraid to ask. And I think it's really important to ask because the person that has gone through what you want to go through has experiences that could help you and enrich you in ways where you don't have to go through those um, same struggles. And, and just keep putting yourself out there, keep creating, um, like listen, like listen to criticism, but also don't don't take it personally. And um, there's a lot of resources out there for for artists. There's a lot of calls. Um, when I first started doing art, I really put myself out there and did a lot of uh, live painting. And I think that's what got me known a lot here in the community. And I did also a lot of basically free murals and kind of not only did, did I get to sharpen up my skills, but also put my work out there for others to see. So just put yourself out there, um, go, go to art shows, talk to other artists, try different techniques, different mediums. Just keep trying and remember to always have an open mind and, and have fun at the same time. You're very active online, um, posting your art. You know, where can where can people specifically find you and follow you online so they can see all of your work and get all the latest updates for shows, exhibitions, promotions, and all those other events? The best place to follow me at, right now at the moment would be my Instagram page, and that's Ocho Ahau, the number eight. A H A U and Ochoahau is uh, actually my Mayan birth name, which um, represents the eight represents like infinity, infinite potential, and Ahau represents sun shield. I am light. I come from light. I'm a light warrior to share my light with my artwork, and also Facebook. Yes, Edgar Fernandez. And right now at the moment, I'm actually creating um, my website. And hopefully that will be up. That will be also www.ochoahow.com. And I'll be posting that on my Instagram and my Facebook once it's up. And it's going to be really nice because I'm going to have... My paintings on there, my drawings, my prints, my murals, and also have updates for events and shows, but also have a, a small store for like small prints and kind of like 
more um, affordable artwork. Great, man. Sounds good. I can't wait to can't wait to see when it's finally up. You know, with that said, you know, do you have any other closing comments or anything else you'd like to let our readers know that I might have missed? I think that's pretty much it. But um, like I said, I want to say thank you once again, and also want to close off with in la kech, Allah Akim, I am you. You are me. Tu eres mi otro yo. And basically, it's a, a mind reading where we we see each other in 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 each other. So we're all mirrors, reflections of each other. So once we learn to understand that, we understand that that we are we are all one. We are one with the planet. We are one with the animals. We are one with the plant with the plants and with all humans. So in that in that sense, we learn to respect and treat each other with um, with value and with love awesome well Edgar I really appreciate it thank you for taking the time to uh to sit down and talk with us today I've been following you on Instagram for a little while now so I was really excited to sit down and actually talk to you about your artwork and your story so I really appreciate it thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me absolutely appreciate appreciate you it's been probably the best interview (laughs) (laughs) thank you I appreciate that thank you once again Hope you you're doing well and stuff with all this that we're dealing with right now in society. Likewise, I hope you're doing all right too. Is this episode of Step Off Radio is recorded at the Justice Center, San Diego, and our music was done by DJ Root. This has been a Step Off Magazine production.